welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Wednesday, October 14th, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Catherine Barger, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Thank you for listening, and to keep up with our department on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at LA Public Health, or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Supervisor Barger. I'm Supervisor Catherine Barger, Chair of the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. Dr. Barbara Ferrer, our Public Health Director, is here to provide the update on COVID-19 case counts and recent trends in Los Angeles County. Last month, we rolled out the COVID-19 Safety Compliance Certification Program. This is a no-cost online training which teaches businesses to implement COVID-19 safety protocols. Once completed, business owners receive a certificate and window seal to display in their storefront. This reassures employees and customers alike that the businesses are following COVID-19 infection control and physical distancing requirements. If you are a business owner or an employee and you would like to find out more about how to complete the safety compliance certificate certification course, please visit the Department of Public Health's website at publichealth.lacounty.gov. This is an easy way to support employees, customers, and our community on the road to recovery. Additionally, the Los Angeles County Development Authority opened an application process Friday for small businesses to receive COVID-19 financial assistance through the Small Business Revitalization Fund. The Board of Supervisors recently voted to use CARES Act funding to create a small business revitalization grant program and provide eligible businesses with up to 300 or I'm sorry up to 30,000 to to pay for working capital expenses necessary for small businesses to remain open. The county is also supporting businesses through the LA Regional COVID-19 Recovery Fund, which we created in partnership with the City of Los Angeles. While there are a variety of federal programs designed to address this crisis, they all have limitations. Financial, technical, and cultural barriers have kept some of our neighborhood partners from accessing federal programs like the Paycheck Protection Program and Economic Injury Disaster Loan. The LA Regional COVID-19 Recovery Fund seeks to address these issues by providing additional support to underserved communities throughout the county. This fund offers loans and grant resources to micro-entrepreneurs, small businesses, and nonprofits. For more information on this program and to learn how you can apply, please visit LACOVIDfund.org. Again, LACOVIDfund.org. Meanwhile, continuing to support older adults remains a priority for the county and for the state. We are grateful to share that the Great Plates Delivered program has extended through November 8th. Again, it will be extended through November 8th. In LA County, this meal assistance program provides eligible seniors with three home-delivered meals a day. Participants include seniors older than 65, seniors 60 to 64 who have been diagnosed or exposed to COVID-19, and those at high risk of COVID-19. When a senior is connected to Great Plates Delivered, we are also helping your local restaurant, hospitality, and transportation community get back to work. Regardless of your age or status, if you need food, rental assistance, childcare, or mental health services, please remember we are here to help. You can visit us online at covid19.lacounty.gov. For all residents 
to receive resources they deserve, please, everyone must complete the census. We received word that the Supreme Court has, has decided the day to complete the census is tomorrow, October 15th. If you haven't already, please go to 2020census.gov or call 844-330-2020. Every person matters. Each person who completes the census ensures more funding for crucial community programs, including emergency services, health care, and for our schools. It only takes a few minutes. It is completely confidential, and it has a huge impact on the County of Los Angeles. With that, I would like to, uh, to, I'd like to introduce Dr. Barbara Ferrer to give the update. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Supervisor Barger, and to the entire Board of Supervisors for your leadership and tireless work serving the many communities across L.A. County. Good afternoon, everyone, and thanks for joining us. Um, today, I'd like to update you on the new state change to private gatherings guidance. I also want to talk a little bit about the recent school and business reopenings and our efforts to help these sectors open with as much safety as possible. Uh, but I wanted to start with uh, talking about celebrating sport team victories and engaging in uh, peaceful protests. As a community, we do need to keep in mind our obligations to each other since we're living through this unprecedented time during a pandemic and COVID-19 continues to spread across all of our communities. If you were in a crowd with non-household members, especially if people weren't wearing their face coverings and were shouting, chanting, or singing, you may have been exposed to COVID-19 since it's very possible that you could, be ne you could have been near a person who was infected with the virus. And as we have learned, people can pass the virus to others even when they have no symptoms. If you attended one of these gatherings, it's very important that you stay away from other people, especially from those at greater risk of becoming seriously ill from COVID-19, and monitor yourself for symptoms for the full 14 days from your exposure. This is essential to prevent the unintentional transmission of COVID-19 to others, especially those who we know are more vulnerable for serious illness. I also encourage you to get tested if you've been in a crowd or a gathering where people were close together and not wearing face coverings and or not keeping their distance. By finding out if you're positive, even if you have no symptoms yet, you can quickly isolate to protect your family, your friends, and your coworkers from becoming infected by you. You also can get the medical care that you need. But as a reminder, a negative test does not mean that you don't need to exclude yourself from being around others for the full 14 days. This virus takes 14 days to incubate. On Friday, uh, I also want to note that the state updated their guidance to allow for private gatherings of three or fewer households. As long as the private gathering is outdoors, everyone wears a cloth face covering, and everyone keeps at least six feet of distance from each person. Food, if it's gonna be available, needs to be in single serve disposable containers, and the duration of the gathering needs to be short. Tomorrow, we'll be updating the health officer orders here in LA County to align with this change in the state guidance. 
noting that all gatherings with people who are not in your household increase your risk for transmitting or becoming infected with COVID-19. It is recommended that if you do gather with two other households, you do so with the same households each time, creating a quasi-bubble that can reduce the risk of spreading the virus to others. A single household or a living unit does not include institutional group living situations such as dormitories, fraternities, sororities, or residential care facilities, nor does it include commercial group living arrangements such as boarding homes, hotels, or motels. And please note, it's critically important that you don't attend any private gathering if you're experiencing symptoms of illness, you've tested positive for COVID-19, or if you were exposed or likely to have been exposed to someone who is positive. So for all of you who were participating in celebrations or protests, uh, please don't now go to gatherings until your 14 days is over. Uh, please note uh, that it's also um, uh, important to remember that while these small private gatherings are allowed, large public events and large gatherings, with the exception of uh, those that are uh, happening with houses of worship or those that are associated with a public protest, those uh, other kinds of gatherings or large public events remain prohibited by the, the county health officer order, even if they're being held outdoors. And there's nothing in the state's revised guidance that changed this. Um, I want to transition for a moment to just talk about the fact that an important strategy here in LA County for reducing community transmission of COVID relies on individuals and businesses complying with health officer orders. So whether we're talking about uh, individuals needing to keep their distance and wear their face coverings when they're around others, or we're talking about businesses that are reopening now to permit uh, indoor activities uh, with their customers, uh, all of us need to comply with the health officer orders. Uh, as we continue the recovery journey and we have additional permitted reopenings and activities, uh, public health does continue to also track outbreaks that are happening at work sites across the county. Uh, and we increase our efforts to provide assistance to those sectors that are reopening so that they have an easier time uh, understanding what the requirements are and in fact adhering to the requirements. So if you please pull up the first slide. Uh, this slide uh, gives you a picture of outbreaks that we've been managing in non-healthcare and non-residential workplaces uh, from March all the way through the very beginning of October. Outbreaks in workplaces are of special concern to us because they represent a situation where a large number of people can get exposed to COVID-19 in one location, but also those very same people, when they return to their communities and their homes, can in fact infect others. Uh, we require all employers to implement the safety protocols uh, for their sector when they're open. We also require that if they experience three or more positive cases at the work site, they need to report the cluster of cases to the public health department. And this is so that we can uh, assist them uh, in making sure that their infection control and distancing protocols are appropriate 
and we can advise all of the employees about what to do to protect themselves and their family members from infection from the virus. As you can see, this graph breaks down the workplaces in six different categories. The two categories uh, at the top, uh, the white line and the red line, uh, are the categories I want to focus on for today. The top line, which is in red, represents general work sites, and this includes uh, most work sites, from warehouse facilities to essential office buildings to retailers and manufacturing facilities. And you can see after the July spike that we had in outbreaks at workplaces, similar to the spike we saw in cases, hospitalizations, and deaths, uh, we also, in terms of outbreaks that we were following, saw a decline in outbreaks. This corresponds to some businesses uh, needing to reclose. Uh, I want to note that, however, uh, we saw this steep decline. Uh, we have a, had a recent increase in outbreaks that is being investigated at all of these work sites. The two-week period from September 6th through the 19th saw only 23 outbreaks at these work sites. And this is really the lowest number we've seen since June. But in late September through early October, we saw the number of work sites begin to increase again. And now we had over 39 outbreaks being investigated in just a two-week period. Um, and for us, uh, this is a cause for concern, um, and we'll continue to be monitoring uh, what's happening at workplaces. Um, I want to note that the white line, which represents food facilities, had a similar spike in July, but unlike what's happening at uh, the, the majority of our um, work sites, represented by the red line, uh, we do not see a peak uh, that's happening in our food facilities uh, similar to what we're seeing in the general work sites. The food facilities include restaurants, bottling plants, food processing facilities, grocery stores, and other food-related businesses that operate in the county. You know, as more businesses are reopening, uh, we may see more outbreaks uh, this in part reflects uh, the fact that there's more reporting that's being done at the work sites, uh, but it also reflects the fact that there may be more transmission as there's more interactions among different people. It's our goal, uh, however, and I think it's a shared goal with all of our businesses, uh, to make sure that we're notified as early as possible when there are cases at a work site, because this is a strategy that we can use to successfully uh, make sure that the few cases that they may be seeing at a work site does not quickly translate to dozens and dozens of cases. Uh, most work sites need our team to come in and be helpful, both with the identification and testing of cases, but also with uh, making sure that we're isolating and quarantining uh, employees as appropriate. We'll take the next slide. Uh, inspectors from public health are also out every day uh, visiting businesses to ensure that they're complying with it required infection control protocols for their sector. And we can go on to the next slide. Um, as uh, inspectors uh, are out, uh, we're reviewing the protocols with business owners. We identify any deficiencies. And when warranted, we issue citations and fines for those sites that are out of compliance. This slide shows violations by sectors for inspections occurring between August 28th and October 7th. 
and it does provide the details related to business compliance with four requirements that are in the health officer order. The availability of a disinfection plan, employees' use of face coverings, patrons' use of face coverings, and adherence to physical distancing requirements. As you can see, we are generally finding very high levels of compliance with most directives, and we thank all of our businesses uh, for, in fact, implementing the safety protocols. There is one area for improvement, uh, and that is compliance with physical distancing requirements. But even here, uh, on our inspections, adherence was fairly high at about 85%. Many thanks, deep appreciation to everyone for adhering to the required protocols. The actions people are taking protect employees, customers, and families. And this is the most essential work we have to do now if we're to reduce uh, the continued transmission of COVID-19 in our communities. Next slide. As I mentioned, uh, in rare occasions, we also need to issue fines for businesses that are out of compliance with the protocols. This usually happens when employers are not serious about implementing the health officer protocols and or they're not taking immediate steps to correct issues that were identified by a health inspector. We began issuing fines at the end of August after a long period of time spent educating employers about the protocols and providing sector-based technical assistance to business owners. This table shows that as of October 6th, we've issued 131 citations to businesses, with gyms and places of worship receiving a significant number of these citations. We do continue to offer free training to all businesses through our COVID-19 Safety Compliance Certificate Program. This program allows employers and employees to voluntarily participate in an online training program that walks them through COVID-19 infection control protocols and allows them to self-certify that they're fully implementing and adhering to the directives. To date, 2,481 businesses have taken the training and received the Certificate of Compliance, and 2,714 employees also completed the free training. Next slide, please. I want to transition for a moment and talk about uh, reopenings at schools, starting with uh, all of the schools in the county that are currently permitted to open for in-person support and services for high-need students, as long as they adhere to the school reopening protocols. To date, 837 schools have opted to offer in-person learning for high-need students. 72% are public schools, 15% are charter schools, and 13% are uh, private schools, including uh, parochial schools. Over 17,000 students and uh, almost 11,000 staff have returned uh, for on-site uh, support and services. As of this week, the San Gabriel and South Bay Harbor regions of our county have the most schools that have reopened uh, for students of high need. Public Health does have a dedicated team of specialists that provide TA and disease management control to all schools that are reopened or reopening. Every school that reopens receives a call and a site visit from the health department as we work together to ensure reopening protocols are closely followed. We're also working in partnership with various schools and school districts to monitor any positive cases 
so we can get ahead of potential outbreaks in a school community. So far, in schools that have reopened for services for high-need students, we have no reported cases among students and only a handful of cases among staff. In each situation where staff have tested positive, we have implemented the disease management plan to ensure that cases are isolated and close contacts are quarantined. We will post on our website a list of schools with three or more positive cases among both staff and or students. To date, we have no schools reporting three or more positive cases as part of the reopening services for students of high need. We'll take the next slide. As of October 10th, uh, Public Health has received 62 applications from schools for waivers to open for grades TK through 2 in-person learning. A number of these applications were incomplete, so we're working with schools to ensure they submit all the necessary application requirements. As a reminder, once an application is received and it's complete, it will be sorted with other complete applications received that week by supervisorial district and ranked by the percentage of students who are eligible for free and reduced meals, with preference given to those schools with the highest percentage of eligible students for this program. 30 schools per week will be permitted to reopen, and these schools will be equally distributed between the five supervisorial districts. Any unclaimed waiver slots for, for a particular week will be granted to schools with the highest percentage of students receiving free or reduced, uh, eligible for free or reduced meals, regardless of supervisorial district. Schools that are not selected in a particular week do not need to reapply. They will be considered in the next round of review uh, for waiver approvals. The review process could take two to three weeks because it includes a consultation with the California Department of Public Health. Schools do need to wait until their applications have been approved before opening. But once approved, a public health will move quickly to provide technical assistance, including a site visit, so that the schools applying for waivers also feel well supported in their reopenings. All schools need to follow the required school reopening protocols for infection control, distancing, and cohorting. We are hopeful that if we work together and in close partnership with the entire school community, we can successfully reopen schools for our youngest students without increasing community transmission of COVID-19. I do want to thank all of the school districts, the teachers, the staff, the administrators, the parents, the students, across the entire county for working so hard to ensure that our classrooms and our schools are environments that are as safe as possible for learning and working. And now to update you on our current status. I'm sad to report 22 additional deaths uh, across uh, our county. Five people who died are over the age of 80 and four people in this age group had underlying health conditions. Seven people who died are between the ages of 65 and 75, and six people in this age group had underlying health conditions. Five people passed away who were between the ages of 50 and 64, and four people in this age group had underlying health conditions. One person uh, passed away between the ages of 30 and 49. This person did not have any underlying health conditions. And one person who died 
was young between the ages of 18 and 29. This person also did not have any underlying health conditions. Information on the three deaths reported by the city of Long Beach are available at longbeach.gov. This unfortunately brings the total number of deaths to 6,812 across LA County. We're thinking of everyone uh, across all of our communities who lost a loved one or a friend to COVID-19, and we wish you all healing and peace in the days ahead. For the 6,413 people who passed away where race and ethnicity has been identified, 51% are Latina, Latinx, 23% are white, 14% are Asian, 10% are black, slightly less than 1% are Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, and 1% identified with another race or ethnicity. We're also reporting 1,349 new cases today. This does bring the total number of cases in LA County to 285,016. These cases include a total of 12,471 cases reported by the city of Long Beach and 2,655 cases reported by the city of Pasadena. We're also reporting a total of 1,889 confirmed cases among people experiencing homelessness. There are currently 720 people that are hospitalized with COVID-19. 27% of the people who are in the hospital are in the ICU, and 13% are on ventilators. We've investigated a total of 1,987 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Of these, uh, currently we have 386 open investigations and we've closed investigations at 1,601 sites. Uh, this, uh, when we close an investigation, it's because we've had no new cases over a 14-day period at these sites. We are confirming the total number of cases uh, in our institutional settings is now 36,132. 18,143 of the confirmed cases were among residents, 17,989 were among staff. We are sad to report that 2,945 residents in institutional settings passed away from COVID-19. 2,628 of the people who died in institutional settings resided in our skilled nursing facilities. Of the 19 reported deaths today, excluding the three deaths in Long Beach, two were among people who resided in our skilled nursing facilities. And again, our deepest sympathies are with all who are mourning someone who has passed away from COVID-19. We're also reporting 3,000 total of 3,847 confirmed cases at some point at the jail facilities. 3,385 were among people who were incarcerated and 462 are among staff. There are 259 cases total at the state prisons. 193 were among people who are incarcerated and 66 are among staff. And there are 759 cases in the federal prison facilities, 742 among people who are incarcerated and 17 among staff. Uh, the numbers in our juvenile facilities are at 159 cases. This has remained steady 
73 among youth, and 86 among staff. To date, over 2.8 million people in LA County have been tested and had their test results reported to the health department. The cumulative positivity rate uh, remains at 9%. In closing, I do want to acknowledge that tomorrow is Global Hand Washing Day, and this should serve as a reminder of the power simple actions taken by each one of us uh, can have in preventing the transmission of COVID-19. Our tools and their effective tools for slowing the spread of this virus include not only frequent hand washing, but keeping physical distance and wearing a cloth face covering when we're out of our homes and around others. It also includes isolating when we're positive for the virus and quarantining for 14 days if we've been exposed to the virus. There are no shortcuts for isolating and quarantining. Uh, they are essential tools and we need to use them. This is not the time to be complacent. We still have a great deal of transmission of COVID-19 across our communities, and we re remain one of a handful of counties in the state that is still in tier one. We're beginning also to see some modest increases in cases and in outbreaks. And while this can be expected when more people are engaged in activities and at work uh, and uh, in uh, their private lives uh, with others that put them in contact, uh, with other people, it is concerning and it will slow down our recovery journey. We need to keep doing what we know works. Each of us has the opportunity every single day to make the right choices that help reduce the transmission of COVID-19 and help saves li helps save lives. Uh, and now I've turned this over to Dr. Galley to give us updates from the Department of Health Services. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'll provide a brief update on the COVID hospital demand modeling, and then we'll turn it over for questions. It's been a couple of weeks since I've provided an update on the model, so just a very quick reminder. The model tracks new hospitalizations of patients with COVID-19, both to understand the rate of transmission within the broader community and also in order to keep an eye on the adequacy of our hospital capacity in both the public and the private sector. Remember, while new hospitalizations are a critical and quite reliable measure of transmission of this virus, they are a lagging indicator that reflects COVID-19 transmission that was happening two to three weeks ago within our communities. As of today, the number of new patients with COVID-19 requiring hospitalization each day across Los Angeles County appears to be increasing slightly. The state reported this week that COVID-19 hospitalizations are at a six-month low. As just shared by Dr. Ferrer, the number of patients hospitalized with COVID-19 within Los Angeles County is currently 720. In comparison, on July 15th, there were 2,085 individuals who are hospitalized with COVID-19. In terms of transmission, the estimated transmission number, or R, that we've referred to, which is the average number of new cases of COVID-19 that result from each current case is currently modeled at 1.05. Two weeks ago, when I last shared the data publicly in this format, it was being modeled at 1.0. And again, as a reminder, if R is greater than one, then we anticipate that the number of new cases will increase over time. So for local hospitals in the county, based on the current estimate of one, 
of 1.05 for R, it is more likely that the number of cases will go up than that they will go down. Again, that means that transmission of COVID-19 is spreading at a slightly faster pace than what I reported a few weeks ago. And that means that severe cases, those that require hospital level care, will also increase. In terms of our capacity within our hospital systems to care for these patients, the model projects that the current number of hospital beds, including general medical surgical ward beds, intensive care unit beds, as well as ventilators, is expected to be adequate over the next four weeks. As needed, and as I've reported previously, if hospitals do need to increase the capacity of their hospitals to care for patients who require higher levels of care, they are able and willing to do so and are prepared to be able to implement the, the changes needed to take that, make that effect. Unfortunately, what this slight increase in transmission conveys is what I know is a difficult but still very true message. The COVID-19 pandemic is certainly not over. It is still alive. The virus is still out there within our communities. And if we give it the conditions to spread, if we don't wash our hands, if we don't wear our face coverings, if we intermix with people outside of our household, outside of the guidelines that have been put forward by the state and by the county, then the virus Virus will take account, will take advantage of that fact. It will thrive and transmission will increase. As my colleague just alluded to, we need to continue to limit gatherings with those outside of our homes, continue to wear those face coverings, which are imperative in helping to limit the spread of the virus. It's also critical that we all get our flu shots this season, as flu season is just around the corner. And please, if you have any reason to need testing, know that there are testing slots widely available across the county. There are a number of testing slots available within the established provider community, whether it's urgent cares, hospitals, physician offices, retail pharmacies. There's also capacity within the city and the county operated testing sites. And the testing criteria have been opened up so that anyone who has any reason to need a test, including any symptoms, anyone who has both a confirmed contact with someone with COVID-19, as well as even a possible or suspected contact or some reason to believe they might have been exposed to individuals with COVID-19, can receive testing at county-operated testing sites. There are thousands of available appointments that are available if you go to the county's website. And in total, there's more than 180 community-based testing sites that are listed on that website where you can contact to be able to get access to a free COVID test. We cannot let our guard down. This is simply not over. We did such a remarkable job in the past and we can continue to do the same to reduce transmission within our communities and to save lives. And we'll now take questions. And ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to ask a question, please press one then zero on your telephone keypad. You may withdraw your question at any time by repeating the one zero command. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up the handset before pressing the numbers. Once again, if you have a question, please press one then zero at this time. And first we turn to the line of Colleen Shelby, the Los Angeles Times. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Um, given the fact that transmission or projected transmission is growing 
and that there have been some outbreaks linked to more work sites and also some more private gatherings. I'm just wondering if you can elaborate a little more on the new state guidance that will be implemented in the county. Um, how many people within these three households um, should be gathering if they are gathering, and is there any concern with you know, kind of opening this allowance at this point in time? Yeah, um, thanks so much, uh, Colleen. That, it's a great question, and, and obviously something uh, we spent a few days thinking about here at the county and, and working with the board um, on making sure that we understand uh, exactly what um, is, is being permitted. It, it is really meant to allow for these very small private gatherings amongst uh, people who, uh, a limited number of people who live in no more than three households. Uh, it was meant to help uh, people uh, have small uh, celebrations for like a very small birthday, or there are people who uh, were getting married and weren't able to you know, even have uh, their in-laws um, or their cousins uh, really be able to participate. So it was, it was meant to address this limited number of times that people may uh, need to gather, as well as the fact that uh, for some folks, uh, they want to create uh, sort of a larger unit um, where they regularly maybe share an activity together uh, amongst more than one household. So this really does allow for, you know, if, if you have one other household that you want to get together with, let's say once a week at a park and do an activity with your children, uh, this makes it um, permissible uh, for that activity to happen. But you're absolutely right. Um, if it becomes a slippery slope and people start interpreting this as, well, you know, today I'm going to get together with John's family and with Roger's family, and tomorrow I'm going to get together with Carmen's family and with Sandy's family, and then the third day I'm going to get together with a whole other set of people. Um, you've now created a lot of exposures and the potential for us to actually increase uh, community transmission. So this was really meant for those one-time occasions where you may want to celebrate with more than just the people you're living with. Uh, and it was meant if you wanted to create a quasi-bubble, a stable group of one or two other households that you regularly get together with, that's what it was meant to accomplish. It can't happen indoors. Uh, it should be of limited duration. The state uh, clearly states uh, two hours or less, as do we. And uh, if there is going to be food, um, it needs to be sort of in single servings. No communal dining uh, should be happening because uh, we really want people to keep their face coverings on the entire time they're together with people that aren't in their household. And we're just going to have to watch this. I, I think it's really up to each of us uh, to not stretch this and turn this into something it's not meant to be. Uh, it is meant to allow for a handful of situations uh, that I know some families are desperate uh, to be able to, to engage in, uh, but in a way that reduces as much as possible the risk. So a reminder, outdoors only, with face coverings, no shared food, uh, and always keeping six feet or more of distance uh, from everyone else. But thanks for the question. Next question. And next we turn to the line of Claudia Piscuta with KNX Radio. Please go ahead. 
Hi. Uh, I hear what you just said in response to Colleen's question, but I still don't understand why now, you know, given that we talked about this sort of thing before and, and you felt that it was not safe to permit even limited gatherings and, you know, that was at a time when the numbers were better in the county. So why now when the transmission rate is going up? I mean, do you think it's a good idea to do this or do you feel like the state has sort of forced your hand on this? And then my second question is uh, why the 24-hour reservation requirement for wineries and breweries uh, when other places that serve alcohol don't have to do that? Thank you. Doctor? You know, uh, thanks, thanks so much, Claudia. And uh, I appreciate the first question, and, and I'm sure it's top of mind for so many people, is like why now? Uh, you know, why, and, and we get this question on, on why are we reopening now. I think the issue for us is to try to do some activities uh, that it's very, very hard for everyone not to do for months and months and months uh, and try to do it with as much safety as possible. You know, we are threading the needle here, um, but I think it is appropriate for us to try uh, to do some of the activities um, that, that people are desperate to be able to do uh, with absolute adherence to, um, to the guidance. I, I think the big question is that last part of this. If, if, again, if we get on the slippery slope, people try to stretch this, they go inside, they have a dinner party at a restaurant, that, that was never what this was meant to be. It was meant to allow for something to happen in, uh, outside where it can be as safe as possible with a very small number of people. Um, and we'd like, we'd like this to be successful. We'd like this not to result uh, in a lot of increased community transmission. But that depends on all of us understanding what the risk is if it's not done according to the guidance. So, so again, I think uh, all along, every reopening carries with it risk. Every new permitted activity carries with it risk. Uh, what we're trying to do is now that we know more about how to manage risk and we certainly know more about how to curtail uh, the spread of uh, this infection, primarily with our face coverings, our distancing and keeping outside, uh, we'd like the opportunity to be able to add this to the permitted list of, of activities with hopes that uh, we're going to do a good job at it. And I think the second question is, um, why the 24-hour uh, advanced reservation for wineries and breweries? I think there was an agreement that this is a, a higher risk uh, setting and that we would be able to try to implement um, some uh, restrictions uh, that may, in fact, mitigate against some of that risk. One of the biggest risks, obviously, is, is people gathering uh, and waiting to get into a, a drinking, an establishment that really was set up uh, primarily as a place where people went uh, to do uh, to drink. So, uh, so we're going to try it with reservations. We've also, you know, requested that the hours be curtailed um, somewhat so that there's some limited hours. And again, if we do this well, uh, we don't have a lot of associated cases and outbreaks uh, at the breweries and wineries. Then I think we revisit uh, what the guidance uh, documents call for, what our directives call for. Um, because we have some evidence that it's, it's being done with a lot of safety and it hasn't created uh, a, a lot of increased risk for the community. Uh, but we'll take the next question. We have time oh. for one more. Yes, one more question. And it comes from the line of Patrick Healy with NBC News. 
four. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, doctors. Thank you very much. Um, wondering if you could elaborate a little bit more on this pattern we've been seeing in the daily reporting of COVID, where uh, after the weekend we have three days below a thousand cases. Then we have four days in a row over, well over a thousand cases. Is our seven-day average actually increasing now, reflecting that R is greater than one? Um, and perhaps I missed this, but I, I didn't hear any direct discussion of the state Halloween guidance yeah. issued this week. Do you have anything that, to add to what the governor said about Halloween observances? And uh, finally, could you comment? Maybe uh, uh, Supervisor Barger could comment on any thoughts to relaxing the rules for the outdoor family entertainment centers. Thank you. So I'll, I'll answer the first uh, question, um, and that is we work closely with Dr. Ferrer, and we are closely monitoring the numbers, and one of the things we don't want to do is to open up too quickly and, and have the numbers go up and then have to completely close down. So what the board has agreed to do is a very methodical and systematic way of reopening when we're given the green light by the state. And so I know that outdoor family entertainment centers has been discussed with the board. I think we discussed it in open session yesterday. I think Supervisor Hahn brought it up. Uh, so obviously it is something that we are considering, but we want to see how we roll out with the wineries and breweries and um, the indoor malls at 25% capacity. We open the nails. So it is definitely on the table and something that we are working closely with public health to consider once Dr. Ferrer feels comfortable that um, the numbers um, based on this week and actually next week um, really do allow us to do that. Thank you. And then Dr. Ferrer. Yeah, thanks so much, Patrick. And, and yes, uh, you're absolutely right to note that um, increasingly we have a, we have a pattern where um, oftentimes uh, for sure uh, Sunday and Monday our numbers are the lowest that they are. Sometimes that extends into Tuesday, particularly after a Monday holiday. It is from our assessment a reporting lag and a testing lag. Um, more people are getting tested uh, during the weekdays than they are getting tested on the weekends. Some, many testing sites, in fact, have shorter hours on the weekends, and many testing sites aren't open at all on Sunday. Um, the same thing with the death reportings. They're slightly down because we think there's a lag uh, on people just reporting them to us until they get back to work on, on Monday. You know, all of our data is one day behind. Um, so. So that's what you're seeing there is really a reflection of uh, the data that we received about the previous day. Uh, our, you're right about sort of we do look now a lot at what's the average for the seven days um, because we've noted that same pattern. It's gotten more pronounced in September uh, and in early October. Um, you know, we've, we've hovered between 1,000 cases a week and 1,100 cases a week. Last week we were at 1,100 cases a week. I, I would be worried if we continue uh, to average out at 1,100 cases a week. We were actually hoping that uh, we would start seeing a small decrease uh, in that weekly average. Um, that would be one of the indications that we're actually uh, back to slowing the spread. Uh, I think we've sort of plateaued here, and we plateaued, obviously, at, at a case rate that's too high. Um, so, so we would like to get back down to uh, below 1,000, uh, an average of below 1,000 new cases a day, as, as low as we can go, actually. Uh, Halloween guidance, yes, uh, the governor did issue the Halloween guidance. I want to note that we issued Halloween guidance a couple of weeks ago. Uh, our guidance and the state's guidance, I think, are pretty aligned. Uh, we have amended or will be amending our guidance to include 
um, how to safely celebrate and acknowledge uh, Dia de los Muertes, de las Muertes, and you'll see that up on our site as well. But again, I feel like we're well aligned. Um, both of both the state and the county are not recommending uh, trick or treating. Uh, I note that there are some cities that are prohibiting trick or treating and, and want to acknowledge uh, and thank cities for you know stepping up and doing what they think makes sense in their jurisdictions. All cities have the right to be more restrictive uh, than both the state and the county. So I want to clear up any confusion about whether a city can, in fact, go ahead and make a different decision around uh, banning uh, trick-or-treating. They can. They can't be less restrictive than us. There are some activities that are not permitted. Um, uh, those include activities that really bring large crowds together. Um, but we are not recommending, as the state is not recommending, a trick-or-treating this year. Um, and thank you. And with that, uh, we'll go to remarks in Spanish. Thank you much. Buenas tardes. Hoy nos gustaría informarles sobre el nuevo cambio del Estado en la orientación de reuniones privadas, las recientes reaperturas de escuelas y negocios, um, y a su vez parte del trabajo que estamos haciendo para ayudar a que uh, estos lugares se abran de la manera más segura posible. Primero que todo, antes de comenzar, nos gustaría hablar un poco sobre las celebraciones recientes por la victoria del campeonato, campeonato Nacional de los Lakers y la participación en protestas. Como comunidad, tenemos que tener en cuenta uh, nuestras obligaciones, ya que estamos viendo en un momento sin um, precedentes esta pandemia y el uh, COVID-19 sigue propagándose a través de nuestro condado. Si estaba en una multitud con personas que no eran miembros de su hogar, uh, especialmente si las personas no estaban usando cubiertas para la cara uh, y gritaban o cantaban en voz alta, uh, es posible que haya estado expuesto a COVID-19 si una persona estaba infectada uh, y estaba ahí. Uh, como hemos aprendido a través de este proceso, uh, las personas pueden transmitir el virus a otros, uh, incluso cuando no presentan síntomas. Si asistió a una de estas reuniones, uh, es muy importante que se mantenga alejado de los demás, especialmente a los que corren un mayor riesgo de enfermarse gravemente por COVID-19 uh, y estar al tanto de sus síntomas por 14 días completos. Esto es esencial para prevenir la transmisión uh, involuntaria de COVID-19 a otras personas, uh, especialmente a aquellas personas que forman parte de su vida y por lo tanto son más vulnerables a este virus. También les aconsejamos a que se haga la prueba si ha estado en una multitud o reunión donde las personas estaban muy juntas y no usaban cubiertas para la cara y donde tampoco mantenían el distanciamiento físico. Al saber si es positivo, incluso si aún uh, no tiene síntomas, uh, puede aislarse rápidamente para proteger a su familia, amigos uh, y compañeros de trabajo y no infectarlos. Y a su vez, usted uh, podrá obtener la atención médica que necesita. El viernes, el estado actualizó su guía para permitir uh, reuniones privadas de tres o menos hogares, siempre que la reunión privada sea al aire libre y todos usen una cubierta para la cara. 
y mantengan el distanciamiento físico de al menos de seis pies de distancia. Los alimentos sean empaquetados en porciones individuales y la duración de las reuniones sean cortas. Mañana vamos a actualizar la orden del funcionario de salud para alinearnos con estos cambios en la guía estatal. Se recomienda que si se reúne con otros dos hogares, lo haga con las mismas personas siempre, cuando, uh, creando así una burbuja de menos riesgo de transmisión para la propagación del virus. Un solo hogar o unidad de vivienda no incluye uh, vivienda de grupos como dormitorios, fraternidades, hermandades de mujer o instalaciones de cuidado residencial. Tampoco incluye las viviendas en grupos comerciales uh, como son las pensiones, hoteles o moteles. Sin embargo, uh, es importante destacar que no asista a ninguna reunión si tiene síntomas uh, y si, uh, o si ha dado uh, positivo a la prueba de COVID-19 o si ha estado expuesto o probablemente estuvo expuesto a alguien que es positivo. También les recordamos a todos uh, los grandes, que, que los grandes eventos públicos y reuniones uh, siguen estando prohibidos por la orden del oficial de salud, incluso cuando se realizan al aire libre. Uh, nada en la guía estatal actualizada ha cambiado estas normas. Eh, una estrategia importante para reducir la transmisión comunitaria de COVID-19 uh, se basa en las personas y los negocios uh, y que ellos cumplan con los protocolos y normas requeridas. A medida que continuamos nuestro viaje hacia la recuperación uh, con reaperturas y más actividades permitidas, uh, Salud Pública está rastreando cuidadosamente los brotes en los lugares del trabajo a través del condado y aumentando nuestros esfuerzos para ayudar a los sectores con el cumplimiento de los protocolos uh, para reabrir sus negocios de forma segura. First slide, please. Este gráfico nos muestra los brotes que hemos estado manejando en los lugares de trabajo no residenciales y no relacionados con la salud uh, desde marzo hasta el 3 de octubre. Los brotes en los lugares de trabajo son de especial preocupación para nosotros porque representan una situación en la que varias personas podrían exponerse a COVID-19 en un solo lugar. Es obligatorio que los empleadores implementen todos los protocolos de seguridad para su sector y si experimentan tres o más casos en un sitio de trabajo, que informen esos grupos de casos al Departamento de Salud Pública para que podamos hacer un seguimiento uh, con el empleador y ayudarlos a implementar medidas de control de infecciones y asegurarnos de que sus empleados reciban consejos sobre lo que deben hacer para protegerse y a la vez para para poder proteger a sus familiares del virus. Este gráfico divide este tipo de lugar de trabajo en seis categorías diferentes. Uh, la línea roja representa los lugares de trabajo generales que incluyen la mayoría de trabajos, desde las instalaciones de almacén hasta las oficinas esenciales, los minoristas y las instalaciones de fabricación. Después del incremento de brotes que vimos en julio, uh, similar a lo que vimos con casos, hospitalizaciones y fallecimientos, uh, vimos una disminución en los brotes cuando los negocios volvieron a cerrar. 
y siguiendo una trayectoria similar a los lugares de trabajo generales, encontramos ahora en la línea blanca, que son las instalaciones de alimentos, que incluye restaurantes, uh, plantas embotelladoras, uh, eh, de procesamiento de alimentos, tiendas de comestibles y otros ne negocios relacionados con diferentes tipos de alimentos que operan en el condado. Cabe destacar que el reciente aumento de brotes que se investigan son en los lugares de trabajo generales. Uh, el periodo de dos semanas del 6 al 19 de septiembre fue uh, de solo 23 brotes, el número más bajo que habíamos tenido desde junio. Desde finales de septiembre hasta principios de octubre, hemos visto que nuevamente la cantidad de brotes en el lugar de trabajo comienza a aumentar a 39 en un periodo de dos semanas. Esto es de esperar a medida que reabren más negocios. Además, queremos agradecer a los empleadores que nos han informado sobre algunos casos. Uh, nuestro objetivo, a medida que los negocios reabren, es mantener estos números lo más bajos posible. Cuando los empleadores nos notifican con anticipación que hay un posible grupo de casos en el lugar de trabajo, uh, podemos ayudar a prevenir un brote más grande. Uh, una intervención rápida mantiene a los trabajadores segure, seguros y saludables y ayuda a preven prevenir la necesidad de cerrar los negocios. Next slide, please. Todos los días los inspectores de salud pública están visitando los negocios para asegurar uh, de que estén cumpliendo con los protocolos de control de infecciones requeridos para su negocio. Los inspectores revisan los protocolos con los dueños del negocio y además identifican faltas y, se, y si se justifica, solo se dan uh, infracciones y multas para quienes no cumplan. Este gráfico muestra las infracciones por negocios para las inspecciones que ocurrieron entre el 28 de agosto al 7 de octubre. Además, nos muestra detalles relacionados con el cumplimiento con los cuatro requisitos de nuestros protocolos, incluyendo la disponibilidad de un plan de desinfección, el uso de cubiertas de cara para los empleados y los clientes, y por último, guías para mantener uh, el distanciamiento físico. Como pueden ver, generalmente encontramos altos niveles de cumplimiento con muchos aspectos de nuestros protocolos. Uh, pero debemos continuar recordando a los dueños de negocios y a los clientes, que somos nosotros, uh, la importancia de cumplir uh, con los protocolos de distanciamiento físico. Sin embargo, incluso en los protocolos de distanciamiento, el cumplimiento es bastante alto con un 85%. Queremos agradecer a todos los negocios que están trabajando arduamente para cumplir con los protocolos requeridos. Las acciones que está tomando realmente protegen a sus empleados, clientes y familias en el hogar. Usted es una parte clave para evitar y reducir la transmisión de COVID-19 en nuestras comunidades. Next slide, please. Como mencionamos anterior, anteriormente, perdón, uh, también emitimos multas para los negocios que no cumplen con los protocolos uh, porque necesitamos que los empleadores tomen los protocolos en serio y tomen medidas inmediatas para corregir los problemas identificados por los inspectores. 
comenzamos a emitir multas a fines de agosto, después de un largo periodo de, um, que fue dedicado a educar a los empleadores uh, sobre los protocolos y brindar asistencia técnica uh, sectorial a los propietarios uh, de negocios. Esta tabla muestra que hemos emitido 131 multas a negocios uh, al 6 de octubre y la mayoría se emitió a gimnasios y lugares de adoración. Nos gustaría acordarles a los negocios y a empleados que continuamos ofreciendo capacitación gratis a través de nuestro programa de certificado de cumplimiento de seguridad COVID-19. Este programa permite a los empleadores y empleados uh, a que participen voluntariamente en la capacitación que se les permite autocertificar que están utilizando las guías de control de infecciones y los protocolos de COVID-19 debidamente. Es importante destacar que hasta la fecha, 2,481 negocios han realizado la capacitación y han recibido el certificado. Y también 2,714 empleados han completado la capacitación gratuita. Ahora nos gustaría informarles sobre la reapertura de nuestras escuelas aquí en el condado de Los Ángeles. Next slide, please. En la actualidad, todas las escuelas del condado pueden abrir para el aprendizaje y servicios en persona para los estudiantes con mayor necesidad uh, y mientras cumplan con los protocolos de reapertura de escuelas. Hasta la fecha, 837 escuelas han optado por ofrecer aprendizaje en persona para estudiantes con mayor necesidad. El 72% son escuelas públicas, el 13% son privadas y el 15% son escuelas autónomas uh, llamadas en inglés charter schools. Um, más de 17,000 estudiantes y 10,000 miembros del personal han regresado para el aprendizaje en el plantel escolar. El Departamento de Salud Pública tiene un equipo de especialistas que brindan asistencia técnica y control de manejo de enfermedades a todas las escuelas que están reabriendo. Cada escuela que vuelva a abrir recibirá una llamada y una visita del Departamento de Salud Pública mientras trabajamos juntos para garantizar que se sigan de cerca los protocolos de reapertura. También estamos trabajando en estrecha colaboración con las diversas escuelas y distritos escolares para uh, monitorear los datos de las pruebas para que podamos adelantarlos a, a cualquier posible brote que ocurra en una comunidad escolar. Hasta ahora no hemos visto ningún brote relacionado con la escuela, pero nos mantenemos uh, atentos y estamos en contacto con el personal de la escuela para asegurarnos de poder responder rápidamente si vemos señales de que pueda haber un brote en una comunidad escolar. Next slide, please. Hasta el 10 de octubre, el Departamento de Salud Pública ha recibido 62 solicitudes uh, de permisos para abrir las escuelas para llevar a cabo el aprendizaje en persona para kinder de transición al segundo grado. Algunas de estas solicitudes estaban incompletas, por lo que estamos trabajando con las escuelas para asegurarnos de que envíen todos los requisitos necesarios para sus solicitudes. 
como recordatorio, una vez que se reciba una solicitud y esté completa, se clasificará con otras solicitudes recibidas esa semana por um, cada distrito de supervisión y se clasificará según el porcentaje de estudiantes que reciben comida gratuita o reducida con uh, preferencias a las escuelas con el mayor porcentaje. Se permitirá la reapertura de 30 escuelas por semana y se van a distribuir igualmente entre los cinco distritos de supervisión. Cualquier espacio no reclamado uh, para esa semana se otorgará a las escuelas con los porcentajes más altos de estudiantes que reciben comidas gratuitas o reducidas, no importando qué distrito de supervisión uh, esté la escuela. Las escuelas no seleccionadas para esa semana no necesitan uh, volver a someter una solicitud. Estas escuelas serán consideradas en la próxima ronda de solicitudes. El proceso de revisión tomará de dos a tres semanas e incluye consultas con el Departamento de Salud Pública del Estado. Las escuelas deberán esperar hasta que se, sus solicitudes hayan sido aprobadas antes de abrir. Una vez aprobada, el Departamento de Salud Pública brindará asistencia técnica, incluida una visita a la escuela para brindar apoyo. Las escuelas deberán seguir todos los protocolos de reapertura escolar para el control de infecciones, distanciamiento físico y grupos de edades. Somos optimistas de que si trabajamos en estrecha colaboración uh, con toda la comunidad escolar, podemos tener éxito en la reapertura de escuelas para nuestros estudiantes más jóvenes sin aumentar la transmisión comunitaria de COVID-19. Queremos agradecer a los distritos escolares y a todas las escuelas de nuestro condado por trabajar tan duro uh, para poder garantizar la seguridad en las aulas y de clase y estas uh, instituciones sean lo más seguras posibles y así poder aprender y trabajar exitosamente. Y ahora para actualizarlo sobre nuestros datos de hoy, uh, estamos tristes de reportar 22 fallecimientos adicionales. Esto eleva el número total de fallecimientos a 6,812 en el condado de Los Ángeles. Hoy estamos también reportando 1,349 casos nuevos. Esto eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 285,016. Estamos reportando 1,889 casos confirmados entre personas sin hogar. 720 casos confirmados están hospitalizados actualmente. El 27% de estas personas están en unidades de cuidados intensivos y el 13% están en ventiladores. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 36,132, incluidos 18,143 residentes y 17,989 uh, personal. También nos da tristeza informar que 2,945 residentes en entornos institucionales han fallecido por causas de COVID-19. 2,628 de estas personas que fallecieron en entornos institucionales residían en centros de enfermería especializados. 
Hoy también reportamos 3,847 casos confirmados en algún momento en las instalaciones de la cárcel. Hay 259 casos en la prisión estatal, 759 casos en las prisiones federales y 159 casos en los centros de menores. Más de 2.8 millones de personas se han hecho la prueba y los resultados han sido informados al Departamento de Salud Pública aquí en el Condado de Los Ángeles. El 9% de estas pruebas fueron positivas. Para terminar, queremos reconocer que mañana es el Día Mundial del Lavado de Manos y sirve como un buen recordatorio del poder que tienen las acciones simples que todos podemos tomar para prevenir la transmisión de COVID-19. Nuestras herramientas para frenar la propagación de este virus incluyen no solo lavarnos las manos con frecuencia, sino también mantener la distancia física, usar una cubierta para la cara cuando estamos fuera de nuestras casas y alrededor de otras personas, y al mismo tiempo aislarnos cuando somos positivos para el virus y sobre todo ponernos en cuarentena durante 14 días si hemos estado expuestos al virus. No podemos bajar la guardia. Todavía hay una gran transmisión de COVID-19 en nuestras comunidades. Estamos comenzando a ver aumentos moderados uh, en casos y brotes, y esto es de esperar a medida que los negocios vuelvan a abrir. Sin embargo, estos aumentos son preocupantes y todos debemos asumir la responsabilidad personal uh, de frenar la propagación del virus y permitir que nuestro condado avance en el viaje hacia la recuperación. Now we'll go ahead and move on to remarks in Armenian. Shnurakalchun verahaskich bargarin yev ambocht verahaskich khorurtin. Barior bolorin. Shnurakalchun mezmianalu hamar. Aisor yes kutsanganai zestegekatsnel, masnavur havakutneri uretsuiti, verchin de protsneri yev businessneri verabatsman. Veraberal petuțian nor popohuțiunere aim volortneri naravorinez anvetang batsman oknelu masin. Ies când țanganai na hosel marzakant himeri hachtanaknere tonelu, ev bohochit suițeri masnakselu masin. Vorpes hamaik menpet kehisheng, vor mimianz hande partavoluțiuner uneng canivor aprumeng an nahadeb jamanaka shurjanum. Hamacharaki and Tatskum, Yev Covid Tasni in Sharnakumetaratsvel Meshurjani Taratskum. Yetheduk Bazmuchan Mechekerel, Voch and Taniki and Tamneri Head, Hatkapes, Yete Martik Chenkerel Dimak, Dimak, Yev Bravumen Kam Yerkumen, Apa Hanaravore, Vorduk and Tarkvelek, Covid Tasni Ning, Hanivor Hanaravore, Vorduk Parak Fatslinek, Inchpes. Imatsang, Martik Karuren virus of Pohansel Urishnerin, Nuinis Getechunen Achtanishner. Yeten Nerkaikerel, Ice Havakutnerits Mekin, Shat Karevore, Vor Herumanak, Ein Martkansits, Hat Kapes Nerancits, of Ker Avelimets Riskian Yentarkum, Zaner Hivandanalu, Covid Tasninits. Yev Inknerets Verahuskek Achtanishneri, Haitna Berman Hamar, Taschurs Orva and Tatskum. Sa eakan shanakutsunne kanhelu covid tasni inni voch ditavoral pohantsum urishnerin hatkapes zerkanke einanzans ofker aveli hotselien varakin katmam yesnaev khrakhusumem zes tugvel yete yegelek bazmutsan mech kam 
հավակվել է կայնտեղ, որտեղ մարդիկ իրար մոտ են և դեմքի ծածկոցներ չեն կրում։ Իրենց հերավորությունը չեն պահում։ Պարզելով դրա կանեք, նույնիսկ եթե դեր ախտանիշներ չունեք, կարող եք արակ մեկուսանալ ձեր ընտանիքի ընկերների եւ գործընկերների ձեր կողմից վարակվելուց պաշտպանելու համար եւ ձեզ անհրաժեշտ բժշկական օգնություն ստանալու համար։ Ուրբատ օրը նահանգի գրասենյակը թարմացրեց իր ուղեցույցը, որբիսի թուլտա 3 հոգի կամ ավելի քիչ մասնավոր հավաքույթներ, քանի դեռ մասնավոր հավաքույթները բացօցային, բոլորը հակնում են կտորի ծածկույթ եւ պահում են առնվազը 6 ոտնաչա ֆիզիկական հերավորություն եւ սնունդը մատուցվում է մեկ անգամյա օկտագորցման սպասքով, իսկ հավաքույթի տեղավորությունը կարճ է։ Վաղում են կթարմացնենք առողջապահության սպայական հրամանը համապատասխանեցնելու պետական ուղեցույցի այս փոփոխությանը։ Խորհուրդ է տրվում, որ եթե դուք հավաքվում եք եւս երկու ոչ ընտանիքի անդամների հետ, ապա ամեն անգամ հանդիպեք նույն մարդկանց հետ, որը կարող է նվազեցնել վիրուսի տարածման ռիսկը։ Մեկ ընտանիքի անդամ կամ բնակելի միավոր չի ներառում ինստիտուցիոնալ խմբի կենցաղային իրավիճակներ, ինչպիսիք են հանրակացարանները, եղբայրությունները կամ բնակելի խնամքի հաստատությունները։ Այն նաև չի ներառում արևտրային խմբերի կենցաղային պայմաններ, ինչպիսիք են գիշերօթիկ տներ, հյուրանոցներ կամ մոթելները։ Խնդրում ենք նկատի ունենալ, որ այնքան կարևոր է, որ չմասնակցեք որևէ մասնավոր հավաքույթի, եթե հիվանդության ախտանիշներ եք ունենում։ Դրական արդյունք եք ունեցել COVID-19-ի համար, կամ եթե ենթարկվել եք, կամ հավանական է, որ ենթարկվել եք վիրուսով դրական մարդուն։ Որպես հիշեցում, խոշոր հասարակական միջոցառումներն ու հավաքույթները շարունակում են արգելվել առողջապահության սպայի հրամանով, նույնիսկ այն ժամանակ եւ դրանք անցկացվում են դրսում եւ պետական վերանայված ուղեցություն ոչինչ չի փոխում դա։ Աշխատավայրի բռնակումները եւ թարմացումներ COVID-19-ը համակայեն փոխանցումը նվազացնելու կարևոր ռազմավարությունը հիմնված է անհատների եւ ձեռնարկությունների վրա, որոնք համապատասխանում են առողջապահության նախարարի հրամանին։ Քանի որ մենք շարունակում ենք մեր վերականգնման ճանապարը լրացուցիչ թույլատրություններ տալ վերաբացումներով եւ գործնեությամբ, հանրային առողջապահության ուշադիր հետևում է շրջանի աշխատավայրերի բռնակումներին եւ ավելացնում է մեր հսկողությունը օգնելու ոլորտի համապատասխանաբար վերաբացման համար անհրաժեշտ արձանագրություններով դպրոցների թարմացում Այժմ ես կցանկանայ ձեզ տեղեկացնել մեր դպրոցներից գուշորեն վերաբացման մասին Լոս Անջելոս շրջանում։ Վերաբացումները բարձր կարիք ունեցող ուսանողների համար Վարչաշրջանի բոլոր դպրոցները ներկայումս թույլատրվում է բացվել անձի աճակցություն եւ ծառայությունները բարձր կարիք ունեցող աշակերտների համար։ Միաժամանակ ապահովելով դպրոցների վերաբացման արձանագրությունները Միջև օրս 837 դպրոց նախընտրել են անձամբ ուսուցանել բարձր կարիք ունեցող աշակերտների համար։ 72%-ը հանրակրթական դպրոցներ են, 15%-ը կանոնադրական, 13%-ը մասնավոր դպրոցներ։ 
ավելիքան 17000 ուսանող եւ 10000 աշխատակազմ վերադարձել են տեղում ուսուցում ստանալու համար այս շափատվադրությամբ մեր շրջանի սան գաբրիել եւ հարավ բեյ հարբոր շրջաններում ունենք այս աշակերտների համար բացված ամենաշատ դպրոցները հանրային առողջապահությունը մասնագետների նվիրված խումբունի որը վերաբացվող բոլոր դպրոցներին տրամադրում է եւ հիվանդությունների կառավարման վերահսկողություն յուրաքանչյուր դպրոց որը կբացվի կստանա զանգ եւ այցելություն առողջապահության վարչությունից քանի որ մենք աշխատում ենք միայն ապահովելու վերաբացման արձանագրությունների սերտ հետևումը մենք նաև սերտերոն համագործակցում ենք տարբեր դպրոցների եւ դպրոցական շրջանների հետ դրական դեպքերը դիտարկելու համար որպիսի կարողանանք դպրոցական համայքում ցանկացած հավանական բռնակումից խոսափել միջև այժմ այն դպրոցներում որոնք վերաբացվել են բարձր կարիք ունեցող աշակերտների համար նախատեսված ծառայությունների համար աշակերտների շրջանում մենք դեպքեր չենք ունեցել եւ միայն մի քանի դեպք անձնակազմի շրջանում ենք ունեցել յուրաքանչյուր իրավիճակում երբ անձնակազմը դրական արդյունք է ունեցել մենք իրականացրել ենք հիվանդության կառավարման ծրագիր ապահովելու համար որ դեպքերը մեկուսացված են եւ կարանտինում են սերտ կապերը գոյություն ունեն 3 դպրոցներ որոնց հետ մենք աշխատել ենք օկնություն տրամադրելու համար քանի որ անձնակազմի անդամները դրական տեստեր են ունեցել ֆլորնոյի տարական դպրոց դիմալի ավագ դպրոց եւ բարֆիլդ տարական դպրոց մենք մեր կայքում տեղադրել ենք 3 կամ ավելի դեպքերով դպրոցների ցուցակը միջև օրս մենք այդ մասին հաղորդող դպրոցներ չունենք հրաժարման դիումի թարմացում հոկտեմբերի 10-ի դրությամբ հանրային առողջապահությունը դպրոցներից 62 դիմում է ստացել թիկեից երկրորդ դասաների անհատական ուսուցումը բացելու համար այս դիմումներից մի քանիսը թերի էին ուստի մենք աշխատում ենք դպրոցների հետ ապահովելու որ նրանք ներկայացնեն բոլոր անհրաժեշտ հայտի պահանջները որպես հիշեցում դիմում ստանալուց եւ ավարտելուց հետո այն տեսակավորվելու է այդ շափատվա ստացված այլ հայտերի հետ ըստ վերահսկիչ շրջանի եւ դասակարգվում է ըստ աշակերտների տոկոսի ովքեր անվճար սնունդ են ստանում նախապատվա նախապատվություն տալով աշակերտների ամենաբարձր քանակ ունեցող դպրոցներին շափատական 30 դպրոց կթուլատրվի վերաբացվել եւ հավասարապես կբաշխվի 5 դիտորթական շրջանների մեջ այդ շափատվա համար չընտրված դպրոցները կարիք չունեն նորից դիմելու դրանք քննարկվեն վերանայման հաջորդ փուլում վերանայման գործընթացը կարող է տևել 2-3 շափատ եւ ներառում է խորթակցություն կալիֆորնիայի հանրային առողջապահության վարչության հետ դպրոցները բացելուց առաջ մենք պետք է սпасեն միջև իրենց դիմումները կհաստատվեն հաստատվելուց հետո հանրային առողջապահությունը կտրամադրի տեխնիկական աջակցություն ներառյալ կայքի այցելություն աջակցության տրամադրելու համար դպրոցները պետք է հետևեն բոլոր անհրաժեշտ դպրոցներին վերաբացման արձանագրություններին վարակների վերահսկման հերավորության եւ համախմբման համար 
մենք լավ ատեսենք, որ եթե սերտ համագործակցություն ունենանք ամբողջ դպրոցական համայքի հետ, ապա կարող ենք հաջողակ լինել մեր ամենաերիտասարդ աշակերտների համար դպրոցների վերաբացման հարցում, առանց ավելացնելու COVID-19-ի համայնքային փոխանցումը։ COVID-19-ով համայնքային փոխանցումը Ես շնորակալություն եմ հայտնել դպրոցների շրջանների և մեր շրջանի բազմաթիվ դպրոցներին այն բանի համար, որ այդքան աշխատել են դասրաններն ու դպրոցները սովորելու և աշխատելու համար հնարավորինս անվտանք միջավայր ապահովելու համար որոնցից չորսը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 7-ը 65 տարեկանից 79-ն էին, որոնցից 6-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 5-անցի տարիքը 50-ից 64-ն է և 4-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 1-ը 30 տարեկանի Մեկ անձը տասուտ տարեկանից 29-ը և նույնպես չի ունեցել ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Սա բերում է ընդհանուր մահերի թիվը 6812-ի լոսանջելո շրջանում։ Եթնիկ պատկանելությունը հետևյալն է։ 51 տոքոսը լատինո մեկ տոքոսը բնիկ հավայան և մեկ տոքոսը այլ էտնեք խումբ և այլ ռասը։ Քովիտ տասնինով մահացած անձանց 92 տոքոսը ունեին ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 1349 նոր դեպքերի մասին։ Սա Այս դեպքերը ներարում են լոնգբիչ կաղաքում մեր գործ ընկերների կողմից գրանցված 12471 դեպքեր, իսկ պասետենա կաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 2655 դեպքեր, որոնք ունեն անկաղ առողջապահական բաժամունքներ։ Մենք հայտնում որոնցից 27 տոքոսը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանունքում, իստ ասերեք տոքոսը միացված են շնչարական ոթապոխիչների։ Կնություններ են կատարվում 1987 ինստիտությունալ բնավջության հաստատություններում, դր Ինստիտությունալ միջավայրում հաստատված ընդհանուր դեպքերը 36132-ն են նրայրյալ անձնակազմը և բնակիչները։ Այս դեպքերից 18143-ը բնակիչներն են և 17989-ը անձնակազմ։ Ձավով ենք հայտնում, Եվ 2628 մարդ բնագվում են հմուտ բուշքուրական հասածություններում։ Մենք ծավում ենք այս կորուստի համար։ Մենք զեկությում ենք, որ հաստատված 3847 դեպքեր արձանագրվել են կրյակ կատարողական հիմնարկներում։ 
www.publichealth.lacane.gov Ավելի կան 2.8 միլիոն մարդ տեստավորվել են և արդյունքները զեկուցվել են լոս անջելո շրջան, որից ինը տոքոսը դրականում։ Վերջում ես ուզում եմ ընդունել, որ վաղը ձրկ լվանալու գլոբալ օրն է և այս ծարայում � Այս վիրուսի տարածումը դանդաղեցնելու մեր գործիքները ներարում են ոչ միայն ձերքի հաճախակի լվացում, այլև վիզիկական հերավորության պահպանում և կտորի դիմակ կրել է, երբ գտնվում եք տանից դուրս և պուխանցումը մեր համայնքներում և լոս անջելոր շրջանը շարնակում է մնալ ամենա սահմանապակ թիր ուան կարգում մեր նահանգում։ Մենք սկսում ենք տեսնել դեպքերի և բրնակումների համեստ աջեր։ Եվ չնայած դա ակնկալել, կանի որ ավելի շատ մարդիկ գնում են աշխատանքի և զբաղում իրենց անձնական կյանքի այնպիսի Շնորակալությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրությունդրություն
또한 만약 무리 가운데 있거나 모임에서 사람들이 가까이에 있고 얼굴 가리개를 쓰지 않고 거리를 유지하지 않았다면 테스트를 받으시길 권고드립니다. 양성인지를 확인하는 것은 아직 증상이 없다 하더라도 즉시 자가고립을 하고 가족과 친구, 직장 동료가 당신으로 인해 감염되는 것을 막을 수 있고 또 필요한 치료를 받을 수 있을 것입니다. 지난 금요일에 주정부는 새 가구 혹은 그 이하의 가족들이 모이는 것을 허락하는 지침을 발표했습니다. 이 살인 모임은 야외여야만 하고 모두가 얼굴 가리개를 사용하고 6비트 신체적 거리를 유지하고 음식은 개인 접시에 서부되어야 하며 모임은 짧아야 합니다. 내일 우리는 보건 담당자 명령을 주정부 지침에 맞게 업데이트를 할 것입니다. 만약 두 가구의 가족과 모임을 갖는 경우 매번 같은 성원들과 함께하고 바이러스의 확산 위험을 줄이기 위해서 일정한 간격을 두어야 합니다. 하나의 가정, 가구는 시설의 그룹 생활, 즉 기숙사, 협동단체, 여학생 클럽, 주거 케어 시설을 포함하지 않습니다. 또한 상업 그룹 생활, 즉 하숙집이나 호텔, 모텔을 포함하지 않습니다. 중요한 것은 자신이 아프거나 코비드19의 양성 결과를 받았거나 양성인 사람에게 노출되었거나 노출된 것 같다면 어떠한 사적 모임에도 참석하지 않아야 합니다. 보건 담당자 명령에 따라 큰 공공이벤트나 모임은 야외에서 모인다 하더라도 여전히 금지되어 있음을 알려드립니다. 보건국은 카운티에, 카운티 내에서 직장 내에서의 방, 발병을 추적하고 사업체들이 요구되는 프로토콜을 따르도록 돕기 위해서 많은 노력을 기울이고 있습니다. 고용주는 자신의 사업체에서 안전 프로토콜을 모두 시행하고 3개 이상의 케이스가 나오면 보건국에 보고하도록 요구되고 있습니다. 보건국은 그 고용주와 팔로업을 하면서 보건 담당자의 명령에 따를 수 있도록 도와주고 직원들이 자신과 가족을 감염으로부터 보호하기 위해 할수 있는 일들에 대해서 조언해 주는 일을 하고 있습니다. 보건국의 감시관들은 매일 사업체들을 방문하면서 그 사업체에서 요구되는 감염관리 프로토콜을 잘 지키고 있는지 확인하고 있습니다. 감시관들은 사업체 주인과 프로토콜을 검토하고 부족한 점을 확인하고 필요하다면 벌금과 위반 티켓을 발행하고 있습니다. 프로토콜에 있는 네가지의 요구 조건, 특히 소독 계획이 있는지, 직원들의 얼굴 가리개를 사용하는지, 손님들이 얼굴 가리개를 사용하는지, 그리고 신체적 거리 두기를 표시하는 것에 사용, 표시를 사용하는지입니다. 신체적 거리 두기 조건의 준수율은 85%로 상당히 높은 편입니다. 8월, 달부, 8월 말에서부터 벌칙금을 발행하기 시작했었는데 이는 고용주에게 프로토콜과 사업체에 맞는 실제적 도움을 오랜 시간 베푼 후에도 따르지 않을 때 그러하였습니다. 10월 6일까지 131개의 위반 티켓이 발부되었는데 대부분 헬스장과 종교장 장소에서 많은 위반 티켓이 발부되었습니다. 우리는 코비드19 안전 준수 자격 프로그램을 통해 모든 사업체들에게 무료로 트레이닝을 제공하고 있습니다. 이 프로그램은 고용주와 직원들이 자율적으로 참가하여서 코비드19 감염 관리 프로토콜을 배우고 그 프로토콜을 시행한다는 것을 스스로 자격을 증명할 수 있게 해줍니다. 
지금까지 2,481개의 사업체들이 트레이닝을 받았고 증명서를 받았으며 2,714명의 직원들이 무료 트레이닝을 완수했습니다. 이제 LA 카운티 내에서 학교의 영업직에 관련한 업데이트입니다. 카운티 내의 모든 학교들은 현재 필요가 많은 학생들을 위한 대면 서비스를 위해 영업 재개를 할수 있습니다. 지금까지 837개 학교가 특수 학생들을 위해서 대면 수업을 제공하였는데 72%가 공립학교, 15%가 차를 학교, 13%가 사립학교였습니다. 1만 7천 명의 학생들과 만 명의 스태프들이 학교에서 수업을 하고 있습니다. 이번 주까지 샌게브리엘과 사우스베이 할벌 지역에서 가장 많은 학교들이 문을 열었습니다. 보건부는 TA와 질병관리통제를 제공하는 전문가들로 된 팀이 있어서 영업체계를 하는 모든 학교들에게 전화와 사이트 방문을 하고 있습니다. 현재까지 특수학생들을 위해 영업을 재개한 학교들에서 학생들 중에서는 발표된 케이스가 없었고 스태프들 중에서는 손가락 안에 드는 수가 양성 케이스였습니다. 각 상황에 따라서 스태프들 중에 양성 확진자는 고립되고 밀접 접촉자는 격리되었습니다. 스태프 중에 양성 확진자가 있었던 학교는 세 군데인데 플로노이 초등학교, 다이말리 고등학교, 바필드 초등학교가 있었습니다. 세개 혹은 그 이상의 케이스가 있는 학교의 리스트를 보건국 웹사이트에 게시할 것인데 현재까지 그런 학교는 없었습니다. 10월 10일까지 보건군은 TK에서 2학년생들의 대면 수업을 위한 신청서를 62개 받았습니다. 몇 신청서는 미완성이었기 때문에 필요한 모든 신청 조건을 제출하도록 학교들과 접촉을 하고 있습니다. 신청서가 접수되고 나면 슈퍼바이저 디스트릭에서 그 주에 받은 신청서들 중에서 무료 혹은 디스카운트 급식을 받는 학생이 많은 학교 순으로 한 주에 30개의 학교가 다시 문을 열도록 허락될 것입니다. 다섯 개의 슈퍼바이저 디스트릭 가운데서 공평하게 그 수가 나누어질 것입니다. 그럼에도 그 주에 남아있는 자리는 무료 급식을 받는 학생이 많은 학교들에게 슈퍼바이저 디스트릭과 상관없이 주어질 것입니다. 그 주에 선택되지 않은 학교들은 다시 신청할 필요가 없는데 그 다음 리뷰에 고려될 것입니다. 리뷰 과정은 2에서 3주 정도가 걸리고 캘리포니아 보건부와 함께 상의하에 결정될 것입니다. 학교는 영업 재개 전에 신청서가 허락될 때까지 꼭 기다려야 합니다. 학교들은 필요한 영업 재개 프로토콜에 따라서 감염 관리, 거리 두기, 코홀팅과 관련된 지침에 따라야 합니다. 이제 현재 상황에 대한 업데이트를 말씀드리겠습니다. 오늘 22명의 사망자가 있었음을 발표하게 되어 유감입니다. 5명은 80세 이상, 그중 4명은 기저질환이 있었습니다. 7명은 65에서 79세 사이, 이중 6명은 기저질환이 있었습니다. 5명은 50에서 64세 사이, 4명이 기저질환이 있었습니다. 1명은 30에서 49세 사이, 기저질환이 없었습니다. 또한 18세에서 29세 사이에 1명 사망자 있었는데 기저질환이 없었습니다. 롱비치시에서 3명의 사망자가 있었고 웹사이트 롱비치.gov에서 확인하실 수 있습니다. 이로써 LA 카운티의 총 사망자 수는 6,812명입니다. 인족과 민족성이 알려진 6,413명의 사망자 가운데 51%는 라틴 계열, 23%는 백인, 14%는 동양인, 
10%는 흑인, 1% 미만은 하와이 태평양섬 원주민, 1%는 기타 인종이었습니다. 오늘로써 1,349개의 케이스가 보고되었습니다. 이로써 총 케이스 수는 28만 5,016개입니다. 롱비치시에서 1만 2,471개, 파사디나시에서 2,655개 케이스가 있었습니다. 노숙자 가운데에서는 1,889개의 케이스가 보고되었습니다. 코비드19로 인해 현재 720명이 병원에 입원해 있으며 27%는 중환자실에 13%는 인공호흡기에 의존해 있습니다. 현재까지 280만 명이 테스트를 받았었고 양성 확중률은 9%입니다. 끝으로 내일은 세계적으로 손 씻는 날입니다. 이 날은 각자가 코비드19 확산을 막기 위해 해야 하는 가장 간단한 행동의 힘을 기억나게 해줍니다. 이 바이러스의 확산을 늦추기 위해 할수 있는 도구들은 손을 자주 씻는 것뿐만 아니라 신체적 거리를 두고 집 밖에 있을 때천 얼굴 가리개를 쓰고 바이러스가 양성이면 고립을 하고 바이러스에 노출되었다면 14일간 격리하는 것입니다. 지금은 우리가 안주할 때가 아닙니다. 우리 커뮤니티에는 아직도 확산이 계속되고 있고 우리는 가주에서 아직도 1단계에 있는 몇안 되는 카운티 중에 하나입니다. 우리는 매일 코비드19 확산을 줄이고 생명을 살릴 수 있는 옳은 결정을 할 기회가 있다는 것을 기억하시기 바랍니다. 감사합니다. Next is briefing in Mandarin. Thank you. 感谢杜萨委员、发建女士和整个杜萨委员会。感谢你们不知疲倦的帮助和带领全县众多的社区抗议。各位下午好，感谢各位参加我们的新闻发布会。今天我会为大家更新周政府有关私人聚会。及最近学校及商业重启的一些新的规定，以及让这些重启单元尽可能的安全重启的一些办法。但我首先要谈谈庆州我们的球队的封冠以及相应的庆州游行作为一个社区，我们一定要牢记，我们聚集在一起，相互
来反映州政府的这一新规定。我建议，如果举行诗人聚会，最好另外两个家庭不要变更，这样三个家庭不同的聚会，在不同的时间就形成了一个小圈子，来防止病毒的传播。单个家庭的定义并不包括集体性的居住单元，像大学的宿舍。兄弟会、姐妹会或家庭看顾单元，也不包不包括像居住单元、旅馆、汽车旅馆及商业单元。而且一定要记住，如果你出现症状，测试呈阳性或暴露给呈阳阳性患者，千万不要参加私人聚会。再次提醒，居家令不允许大型公共聚会，即使在户外举行。州政府的所有指令都重申了这一点。工作场所的爆发及罚单开出的更新，延缓 COVID-19 社区传播的重要一环是个人和企业都遵守居家令。在我们重启的道路上，随着更多的开启或更多的活动，公共卫生局正严密跟踪工作场所的爆发情况。也加大了执行各种重启指令的力度。第一个图，每周的爆发。本图标示从三月到十十月三号，我们所收集到的在医护场所之外以及非居住场所之外的数据，工作场所的爆发。尤其是我们关注的重点，因为在工作场所一旦一人感染了，这意味着这个人会把病毒传染到社区和自己的家庭。我们要求所有业者一定要遵守各自行业的安全指令，并且一旦自己的公司有三个和三个以上的人检测呈阳性，一定要上报给我们公共卫生局，以便我们为业主或员工就预防更多的感染，尤其是。家庭感染提供指导和帮助。这个图形将工作场所分为六类，顶端的红线表示一般的工作场所，这类场所包括大部分工作场所，如仓储、必要办公场所、零售及制造场所。在七月大爆发以后，类似病例、像病例、住院人数及死亡人数的大爆发，工作场所爆发数量在。一直下降，当然也伴随着很多商业的关门停业。类似上面红线所表示的一般康工作场所的场所，图中白色代表饮食场所，包括餐厅、食品包装厂、食品加工厂、杂货店以及与食品有关的商业。我要指出的是。我们已对最近在一般工作场所爆发的病例的增加做了相对的调查。从九月六号到九月十九号这两星期，有二十三起爆发，这是自一六月以来最低的。但从九月到十月初，爆发病例又有所增加，达三十九件之多。这是因为更多的商业在重新开放。我要感谢那些急将爆发病例的情况报告给我局的一些业主。我们的目标是在重启的过程中，将爆发的病例控制在最低。在爆发初期，如果业者也能告诉我们，我们就可以帮助业者采取措施，以防
，以预防更大的爆发。最关键的是，早期介入也能够让员工更安全，也更健康，而且有助防止关闭整个企业。Next one， 各行各业的违规分类，公共卫生局的检察员每天都在光临各类商业，以督促他们遵守各项指令，包括控制感染的规定。检察员和业主一起熟悉各项指令，找出遗漏。当必要时，给不守规定的业主开具罚单。本图显示，从八月二十八号到十月七号，各个不同行业从违规次数尤其详细的是在四个方面记录了企业的状况。这四个方面是是否有消毒计划，是否。员工是否佩戴口罩？顾客是否佩戴口罩？以及大家是否保持物理距离？大家可以看出，绝大多数都遵守相关规定。其中一项尚需要改进的是保持物理距离，但这个遵守率也高达百分之八十五。在这里，我要感谢所有遵守相关规定的企业，你们所做的保护了员工、顾客以及他们的家人。减缓了 COVID-19 的传播，这是我们的头等大事。第三，各部所收到的罚单，如我前面提到过的，对那些不遵守规定、不把规定当回事，或者对不能及时改正违法的、不利的企业，卫生检察员会开出罚单。在经过一段时间对业主遵守各项规定的教育及相关的指技术指导之后，我们在八月底开始开出罚单。这些图显示，截止十月六号，我们已经总共开出一百三十一张罚单，并给不同的企业，其中健身房和宗教场所的罚单最多。通过提供 COVID-19 安全。征训和执行培训，我们一直在为企业提供培训。这一培训旨在让员工和顾客通过熟悉病毒控制流程，让他们可以自行过关并完全执行病毒控制流程。到目前为止，已有两千四百八十一个企业参加了培训，并获得了证书，还有两千七百一十四名员工也完成了免费培训。现在我为大家报告一下美仪的状况。很不幸，今天我们又有二十二人因新冠病毒去世，其中五人是八十岁以上的长者，在这五人中有四人已患有其他先天其他疾病，七人年龄介于六十五岁到七十九岁之间，其中六人患有其他疾病，五人的年龄在于。介于五十到六十四岁之间，其中四人患有其他疾病；一人的年龄介于三十到四十九岁之间，没有其他健康问题；一人属于十八岁到二十九岁之间，没有其他健康问题。长滩市有三例死亡，有关资料可以在市属网站上查到。这样，洛县总死亡人数就达到了六千八百一十二人。在因新冠病毒去世的人中，有六千四百一十三人的族裔背景已分类，分类结果如下：拉丁裔占百分之五十一，白人占百分之二十三。
亚洲人占百分之十四，非洲非裔人占百分之十，属夏威夷和太平洋岛屿的原住民占比例不足百分之一，还有百分之一属于其他族裔。今天我们新添一千三百四十九例新冠病例的病人，这样。洛杉矶县的病例总数就上升到了两二十八万五千零十六人，这一数字包括长滩市的一万两千四百七十一例和帕萨迪纳市的两千六百五十五例。这两个城市都有自己的独立市卫生部。确诊病例中有一千八百八十九人属于无家可归的病人。现在确诊的新冠病人。病人住院人数是七百二十人，其中百分之二十七的人住在加护病房，有百分之十三的病人使用呼吸机。我们对一千九百三八十七个大型住宅和非住宅机构做了调查，这些机构中均有至少一个已知新冠病毒患者，其中三百八十六个人在调查之中，一千六百零一个已结束调查。机构确诊病例的总数为三万六千一百三十一人，其中居民为一千一万八千一百四十三人，员工有一万七千九百八十九人。我们非常沉重，因新冠病毒去世人中有两千九百四十五人来自机构住所，其中两千六百二十八人是来自与首脸护理机构。在今天天新天的。十九例死亡人数中，不包不包括长滩市和帕萨迪纳市的两人，来自其中有两人是来自于熟练护理机构。我再次为那些因新冠病毒失去亲人的朋友送去问候。所有监禁场所的总共确诊病例为三千八百四十七人，其中三千三百八十五人为囚犯。四百六十二人为员工，加州监狱有两百五十九人，其中一百九十三人为囚犯，六十六人为管教人员。联邦监狱有七百五十九人，其中七百四十二人为囚犯，十七人为管教人员。少年管教所有一百五十九人，其中七十三人为囚犯，八十六人为管教人员。到今天为止。目前有两百八十万人已进行了新冠测试，累计存阳率为百分之九。结束前，我想告诉大家，明天将是全球洗手日，这将提醒我们，这样一个简单的动作，可以帮助我们每一个人阻止新冠病毒的传播。我们知道，除了洗手之外，其他工具还有保持物理距离。出门佩戴口罩，当测试阳性后要进行自我隔离十四天。现在还不是我们自我骄傲的时候，现在是情况是我们的社区人经历大量的 COVID-19 病毒的传播，我们仍是少数几个人处在最严梯层的县之一，而且我们又看到了病例如爆发和爆发有所增加。尽管我们预知，以随着更多的开启和活动的增加，病例会有所增加，但这
重增加也会影响我们的重启。Thank you. That concludes for today. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health podcast.